I think in general we need to we need to hang out. We have always said that we need to hang out where our, you know where our audience is. So I think to, to just stop testing channels just for testing channels. I think we need to try a bit more to understand our customers and prospective customers. So I think this is also a good time to do that. Maybe interview a few of your customers um, that are very much within your ICP, like to make sure that they are actually um, on the type of channels you are looking to, to try out. And if they're not even there, why should you be? Hello there. I'm so glad that you're back to listen to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. Now, you're not learning this from me, so don't shoot the messenger. But the world economy is going through, let's call it a rough patch at the moment. And many organizations and their people are obviously starting to feel the dire consequences of it. Now, we've been through a crisis before, uh, but the SaaS world as we know it has never faced something quite like this. This is new. This is also hella scary. So we thought you might like to hear some thoughts on what should B2B marketers do to stay afloat during the recession. Today, we're joined by Adam Holmgren, Global Demand Generation Strategy Lead at GetAccept, a B2B sales platform. On top of his day job at GetAccept, he's built a community of B2B marketers obsessed with revenue. He also has a podcast, Driving Demand, where he focuses on demand generation. And as if that wasn't enough, he also advises European growth companies on demand generation. In the first part of our discussion, Adam will share his current B2B marketing playbook for the economic downturn. In part two, which we will publish on your favorite podcast platforms in two weeks from now, We'll cover the state of demand generation in Europe and how to shift from a lead generation to demand generation model. Enjoy. Hello, Adam, and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, it's really great to be here. It's uh, yeah, I've been listening to you guys for uh, or to this podcast for a long time. It's uh, it's really cool to be here. Oh, that that really warms our heart. We're uh, we're happy to we're happy to have a fan here, and likewise, um, we're also been listening to you. Uh, so this is kind of like meeting of the podcasters or meeting of the minds, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so essentially, um, we've we've asked you to come here to talk uh, talk to us about marketing uh, during recession, which isn't a exactly an exciting topic to talk about it can be a little little depressing um but we'll we'll try and see what what comes out of it um so in order to get the worst thing out of the way like the worst possible question you know start with the pessimism and we'll work work from there (laughs) (laughs) finish way it's all doom and gloom now yeah but well talking about doom and gloom yeah we want to hear your uh, how you view the current situation. So the econo- economic situation, uh, especially in technology and SaaS business, you know, it, it, it doesn't look very good right now. I mean, obviously, there are sectors that are doing better than others. But do you think that this situation that we're currently facing is is all doom and gloom uh, for B2B SaaS companies? Should we, you know, all be packing our bags, heading for the hills and then, you know, preparing for the worst? <laughs> Yeah, 
Uh, I thought Finland was the happiest country in the world. <laughs> uh, you, you never see the doom and gloom. That, that's my perspective of, uh, of Finland and Finnish people. <laughs> but, sorry sorry but, to yeah, burst this... your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's really, uh, yeah, it's really sad for me now. <laughs> I feel like I have been in a lie for my entire life. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's a really interesting situation we are in now. And I think it has, you know, been very, I've realized it over the last, few months especially how how kind of different it is now um but it's also maybe more realistic in that sense um and i think it's it's different where you sell also i think the it has hit a bit harder in the us maybe um than it has in europe but it's also slowly you know it takes longer time for it to hit europe usually so i think we are now starting to see it even more here as well with layoffs and with with all of those stuff um so I think it's really, yeah, it's really tough to see people getting laid on, laid off, based on bad company strategy. To be fair, so it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really tough, and it's really shifting what we as marketers have to face, because it's often I would say either the marketing department or some similar department that gets cut first, um, because usually marketing can be seen maybe as more of a cost center, more as a revenue driver, uh, even if we of course uh, not believe that's the case, but it's often can be viewed as that, but sales, having a sales employee, you actually have a quote on them and they are to bring in this quota, um, which is probably maybe the wrong way to go about it. But I think it's interesting, especially for us, um, you know, I get except we sell to mainly IT tech companies. That's the, that's the true ICP. Uh, and that is an ICP that is really tough right now. It's like, so for us, the question then becomes, should we continue with this ICP regardless of the situation? Or should we maybe look at broadening? And we are more looking into the second one. What are other industries right now that are doing a bit better um, where we can also you know, provide a lot of value? Um, but then in terms of the IT tech segment, the conversation kind of shifts a little bit. So it's more about how can we help them, you know, not rep not get a completely new tool, but maybe more replace some tools that they have. So not increase their costs, but maybe replace a few tools with 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 one tool where we do something that is maybe not as good, but maybe good enough for the situation. So I think that is more the conversations a lot of companies are seeing a lot of these days. It's like more consolidate your tech stack instead of get a new. And I think that's really interesting, uh, actually. So it's all about kind of efficiency and, and trying to find Oh, efficient ways to do it. Yeah, and I, I think I think all kind of SaaS providers now that does marketing kind of need to prove where their tool is in the in the yeah in the world. So to say, is it a nice to have or is it a need to have? I think that's the critical answer we need to respond to right now. So I think one thing with the recession is like the the kind of how we describe our products and tools kind of will will shift a little bit. But then the other massive part is, of course, that we have to prove our ROI so much more from our, our marketing efforts. And I, uh, you, <laughs> you know, I have been in in more conversations with our CFO, CEO, and CMO um, the last few months than I've ever been in the last two years. Um, so I think it's very true for for companies now that we need to we need to be able to both show. Uh, ROI, but also to explain how it works for marketing, because we all know like attribution and stuff like that is not uh, a perfect science. 
So how can we then explain to our management team or whatever that what we are doing is actually taking us in the right direction? I think that's an important question to, to now. Yeah. So I think uh, if there is a silver lining to this, you could pos probably say that this is the perfect time. If you haven't done it already, this is the perfect time to bring your marketing closer to the C-suite, to, to the CFO, to CEO and, and so forth. Yeah, exactly. And what I like about that is that they are, you know, becoming more and more interested in marketing and, and what marketing can actually bring. Hopefully they are. <laughs> uh, if they're not, the marketing department is probably not not left at the company. But if they, you know, they, they care more about, you know, our management team has grown um, to really understand marketing, I would say, and that marketing has a big impact on revenue. And, and then it makes the conversations a lot easier. I think that's that's also like, okay, what we're doing in marketing is actually not only, you know, bringing hype or bringing buzz, but actually bringing in pipeline for the sales team to close. Um, but I think what, what our conversations have shifted more towards now in this year compared to before is, you know, a whole lot more quality talk. So how can we, you know, focused on, we, we don't want to get people through the door at us that are not the right fit or that might churn in a year's time we really want to make sure that we get the right companies in through all the way through the funnel through the mql through the deal through the customer because if they are not the right fit for us it, it, it won't work eventually even if they become a customer they will churn in a year and it will never be uh, worth it so to say for for our marketing dollars um so even though like the marketing budgets are getting cut that most companies ours included we I actually kind of thrive in that situation because I feel like we have less expectation on us. And then everything we can do with that is usually, you know, we have to be really targeted and really narrow. And I love that. When we have huge marketing bodies, we have to really, you know, go after a lot of people and make sure that we bring a lot of revenue, a lot of pipeline. But now it's more, how can we get these more, yeah, get the more perfect targeted going. So it's more focused and kind of knowing your target audience, your ICP, and kind of utilizing that information, isn't it? Yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah, and I think we have, we have obviously tried that in the past, you know, that, uh, that's the kind of baseline of demand generation, uh, trying to focus on quality, right? But I think it's, you're kind of forced to do that now. You're kind of forced to, it becomes a little bit more like you're working with your own money than you're working with your company money. Um, like, I feel that's, that's, where you have to do really great marketing when you when you work with your own money because you care more about them. Uh, I think that's a really, really good change, actually. And for us, it's also, um, I think for many companies, we are obviously trying to go up market a little bit, trying to sell to larger customers because we believe that's where our product um, fits the best. And to do that, you, I think all companies, Series A to Series B, like we are, attract a lot of smaller customers naturally when we are a bit of a playful brand. So then it's more about how can we then give them a good experience without putting, you know, tons of sales hours, tons of marketing hours on those accounts that is not valuable to us right now. Um, I think that's important. Great. I, I, I do want to talk about uh, the practical advice you would you would give to marketers at the moment and what what kind of things they should be doing uh but before yeah. we get to that um <laughs> sorry to be so pessimistic but uh let's get this generalization out of the way first what do you think are the 
kind of the worst mistakes that companies can make or are making with their marketing in the current economic situation? Yeah, I, I think the biggest mistake that, that people will, or that most companies will do now is trying to you know, leverage the tactics that they can see dollars coming in from. And that will usually mean that they shift their entire marketing budget to, to either Google or no, they will shift it to Google, Google probably because there they can actually see that that's dollars are coming in. But usually that's not the, the same case for, you know, social ads or for influencer marketing or whatever it is. But Google ads is probably your most directly attributed channel. Um, but the problem there is usually that most of the revenue or pipeline coming in is from your own brand. And then the question is, okay, where, <laughs> where did they hear about us first? Yeah, obviously not in Google, somewhere else. So if we're not doing something else, uh, there will be nothing to, to, to capture in Google. And I think that's the problem. That will work for maybe a couple of months, but eventually maybe towards the latter parts of this year, um, that will have, you know, have decreased by a lot since you are not doing anything to increase your brand or, or spread your wings, so to say. Um, and I think that is a big mistake we already see a lot of companies do. But that's actually quite, um, it's hard because in, in working in marketing in this kind of era, is um, um, we are under pressure to actually uh, focus on just the short term goals and kind of delivering and bringing on those leads and kind of showing the numbers and, and all that. Um, you know, increasing revenue and, and all that. Um, but how would you, what would you recommend how we as marketers should go about and kind of have um, counter arguments for not doing that, but actually having that long-term view that we as marketers, we do know that is essential <laughs> for the growth in longer, longer run. Yeah, I think it's all as we said before, like aligning with the C-suite is critical, but but actually making it very practical and explaining, okay, say that we are focusing on three different channels, like explaining how those channels uh, contribute to pipeline and contribute to revenue. If we take, okay, we are as a B2B company is focused on LinkedIn ads, that's one of our biggest channels. How can we then explain how uh, it contributes to pipeline? Because it it drives some directly attributed uh, leads and deals within our ICP, but not a massive amount. But what we can see is that there is a lot of, we can see that in the platform, like we call view conversions. So we can see people have viewed our ads and then they have booked a demo uh, on our site in some other manner. We, we don't know exactly how, but probably through Google or probably through direct traffic. But we can say that these ads have influenced uh, the pipeline. And if we then increase the budget in those ads and the pipeline increases in, in general, hopefully that is working. So I think we need to find ways to explain it. So yeah, so that it, it has some numerical value on it. And for us, as an example, we have set go, you know, targets on these view demos as an example. So how much is our campaigns actually supposed to bring in, in terms of view demos where someone has viewed an ad and then within 30 days, or 60 days, it depends a little bit, have booked a demo somehow. Uh, because I truly, truly believe, for us at least, um, LinkedIn is a critical channel uh, in terms of actually driving pipeline. Um, but it's hard to to show that directly. But if, if we can combine for these more, um, you know, indicational metrics, I think we are onto something.
Is it? So is it too, uh, if, if a company or marketing hasn't been doing that before, uh, if, if they haven't shown uh, that impact from, you know, uh, from brand and from all the kind of things around the short term goals, um, yeah. it's going to be a tough battle to make that case right now, I think. Am I, am I yeah. wrong in this? <laughs> No, it's, it's probably very true. Uh, it's going to be. And I think the easiest way to go about it and kind of the, the way I have gone about it is to, I, I have like started with almost cutting everything. You know, let's start from scratch now. Let, let's, because this is a perfect opportunity also, um, uh, you know, perfect our baseline. So if we end, if we talk about paid marketing now, because that's usually where the arguments becomes, because that's where we spend money. Like if we start from, if we, take everything completely off for one month, what happens? Um, and then we kind of go in a test and experiment driven manner. So what happens if we put on one channel, one campaign on LinkedIn ads without doing anything else? Okay, it's actually increased pipeline. Then we can show that stuff. I think that is more the approach we need to take now, like experiment test in small segments. And when we see, and when we can show that it's actually, um, you know, Perf giving us pipeline or giving us the right ICP MQLs, then we can scale them up. But I think it's a problem now to run too many things and not know what works. Uh, so that is basically what we have been doing, like push everything back and then kind of take it in small batches. Okay. What if we run competitor ads or Google, how does that, you know, work with pipeline? We run that for a couple of weeks and then we uh, look into the results of that. If we run LinkedIn, a few campaigns the results from that. So I think it's more, that is a more graspable method I feel now. And also very, I feel like it's also very easy to put a C-suite to, to understand when it's, we have one experiment, these are the results from one experiment and not like, uh, we have these five channels, this is more for long-term brand awareness and this is more for direct attribution. I think that's, that's key. Uh, yeah. Well, actually that, that brings us to the next question because I, I, I was going to ask you uh, if if somebody is kind of rethinking or redoing their marketing budget and what they're focusing on. Um, I wanted to know if you have some ideas of or suggestions what they should be uh, putting that investment in what they should be doing in marketing. But from your answer now, if I, you know, if I'm reading you correctly, it's not necessarily that you can recommend one channel or one tactic, but it's more like bringing things down, starting from scratch and doing e experiments. Am I, am I reading you correctly? Yeah. Would you say yeah, that? Yeah, 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 you are. You are definitely. I think there are some, you know, channels that, that, that should be in a toolkit maybe, but I think you could, could go on testing about that as well. But I, I would recommend like, uh, obviously always keeping some sort of Google spend up, like some sort of brand that Google spend up. Like th that, I will never cut uh, because that is bringing in a lot of revenue usually. Um, so that is like the the the, uh, the very very basic baseline to keep that up, because usually we have a lot of competitors beating our brand as well, and it would be foolish not to try to compete there. Um, and the second one is, I think uh, I'm obviously a big fan of LinkedIn because I think we can. That's a place where we can really say that our audience is and they hang out. So. I think it's a place we need to be maybe in, in not in the same manner as we have in the past, but it's a, it's a good channel to do that in. And then I think Facebook has its place for, you know, we use it more for retargeting purposes because it's so much cheaper than LinkedIn. Um, 
but usually people tend to consume Facebook and Instagram for different purposes. So the content might change a little bit, but I think, I think those three channels are still like the main toolkit of a B2B company. Uh, but I think as you said, like maybe starting with just having brand spend on Google and then going from there, maybe we add a competitor campaign in Google, as I said before, to test that out. Maybe we add one target audience in uh, LinkedIn targeting, I don't know, sales leaders as an example on a specific market. And if we indicate during those weeks or months where we test that, that more sales leaders are coming into the pipeline, okay, maybe we are doing something right. I think that's also important to like distinguish the, the targeting you have on these platforms. And LinkedIn is a good platform to do that on. Uh, we have been narrowing our targeting a lot now. Uh, you know, basically a few reasons why, yes, we have less budget that, that we can't go as broad as we used to maybe, but maybe it's different times now. We don't want to go as broad. Uh, yeah. So basically what you, we, what we should do is kind of toss the marketing, the yearly plan and kind of uh, believe in ourselves and our wings that we can actually buy experiments. Uh, we can actually find the new things to do and go from there, but not really, um, like, like you mentioned earlier, you said that there's a, like the certain element of brand awareness needs to be there constantly. You need to, you need to do that. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that we should, um, you know, uh, in marketing do, um, anyway? regardless yeah, of the and session. I, and I don't think you don't have to throw away your marketing plan. <laughs> <but I think laughs> that, Why not? I mean, <laughs> this is yeah. garbage. Let's just get Let's it out. Keep it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe you have a superb marketing plan already. I don't know. But as you said before, like these conversations about long-term, short-term are getting really difficult right now. And I think they are much, much easier when you have only a few things on your plate that you're actually doing and focusing on. I think our marketing plans in general tend to be, oh, we want to do all of this during 2023 because we, we want to be the best brand in the world in the end. And usually it doesn't happen. And usually when they, we end up doing like 25% of the marketing plan anyway. So it's like, uh, I, I th yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we can say that maybe. Just throw it away and, and start <laughs> from the bottom. Uh, I think that's a good, uh, good thing. But... But other things like to, to stop doing maybe is, I think in general, we need to, we need to hang out. We have always said that we need to hang out where our, you know, where our audience is. So I think to just stop testing channels just for testing channels, I think we need to try a bit more to understand our customers and prospective customers. So I think this is also a good time to do that. Maybe interview a few of your customers, um, that are very much within your ICP, like to make sure that they are actually, um, on the type of channels you are looking to, to try out, uh, because that feels like basis number one, if they're not even there, why should you be? Um, so I think, but in general, I would, you know, if we're looking into channels now and trying to be very effective, I would say like Google and LinkedIn, obviously is the, is the big ones. Uh, I would say one big thing that I, since many companies, companies are shifting a lot of budget to Google versus social. I think a lot of companies that can win this year, um, is the companies that do the opposite. So focus more on social because the, the prices will go down since less companies are advertising. You can get more exposure for your brand. Um, so I, I truly think that, that the companies that 
that have more of a social effort and social budget this year um, will be able to to take a lot of the market. And that is definitely what we will be doing. We will still be running Google ads, of course, uh, where we can see some ROI, but we will put much, much more effort into into social ads. You go on. You go. <laughs> we both go. have questions about this. <laughs> um, that's really interesting that you say that. Uh, and I, I was wondering if there are other... Um, how should I put this, characteristics of companies that will kind of come atop of this. The, in, your, in your view, the companies that will, you know, be, will survive this is that they focus on social. But do you see any other characteristics for, for companies that you see coming at the end and, and being okay? Yeah, I think the companies that are already doing really well are those that already had a big audience. So if, if you had like, if you're a company that had a, following on LinkedIn on a of 50,000 already or 100,000 oh you you're really you're really good off because you have someone to talk to for free already um same thing if you have a company where you have a lot of people within the company that have a big following on LinkedIn in your ICP that's also a massive opportunity um like we will be you know without a doubt work a lot with uh, the personal brand of our some of our people in our company um, I will be working on that, like not necessarily to to drive pipeline right away, but to to drive brand awareness and to get our brand. Since we we have less budget, we need to find more cost efficient ways to also be seen. Uh, and of course, uh, companies who have big communities. Uh, you know, I think that was it was a big trend the last year and will probably be this year as well. Like companies starting their own communities or companies investing in communities. When you have kind of that audience for free, if you say it's 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 much easier to to talk to them and give value to them. Um, pay that is one thing, but it's all also you pay for every time someone consume your your content, and it's not really it's it's not really efficient in that sense. But if you can get or or get an audience in any other way, uh, that is really really cool. I think also influencer marketing in various ways in B two B that's quite quite uncommon I think still like to actually work with the big creators on the platform uh, to promote your products or promote uh, what you do and I think that is something that could be really efficient because they they already have this big audience and trust built up and then you can kind of tap into that a little bit because when you do pay that as an example you have zero trust from the beginning you just uh, promote something or try to give value but you don't have trust yeah but how about in the situations like uh, we're in this downturn at the moment and if a company hasn't really they don't have that kind of community i would uh, probably as a marketer i would probably say that oh i just you know i'll just give up because it's too late <laughs> to do anything and you yeah. shouldn't be in marketing so oh, yeah. i know <laughs> but I, all these things i should have been doing this five years ago and how, what would yeah. your recommendation for that kind of person aka moi uh, to be yeah what, what would you say no, I, and i think it's true like there are these giant communities out there especially many very us centric but i think there is a place for very very niche ones so say that you are a company that's working in, uh, you know, say that you're working in Finland towards a specific sector, towards a specific, you know, value. You, you could have a, have a community just for that. Uh, so I think you, 
I think community still could be really valuable for any any company as long as you make it really niche. It doesn't have to be five to ten, ten thousand people in the community. It could be fifty and still be really valuable. Um, so I think I think more niche communities will, will really be what will grow now. Um, and that could be niche based on the market you act on. It could be based on the market and some sort of persona you're working towards sales. You want to, you know, you want different sales professionals to work together on marketing. You want marketeers within uh, demand. You know, you want content marketers to have their own community within a specific region. I think that is uh, really what's going to to work now. And now, you know, we don't have COVID in the same extent anymore. Maybe it will also work really well to do communities where you actually meet in real life a lot. So say that you're working in <laughs> crazy, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's always online, but maybe it will work now to actually meet, to have, have 20 people you meet on a regular basis in, in your city. I think that's really cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my God, meeting people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to talk to people. <laughs> um. Okay, how would you, we have one more question about this, uh, but before we get to the final question about this topic, um, mm. can you summarize um, what would be, in your, in your opinion, what would be that one thing that marketing should make sure that they do now or make sure that they show right now in this situation? Can you say that there's only yeah. one thing? <laughs> no, there's only, no, but I, I, I think you really, before you do anything, you need to prove ROI to your CFO, to your CEO, um, CMO. Uh, I think you you need to show like that some of the things you want to do have historically provided ROI. And how you do that, that is, that is of course the difficult part, but you need to get buy-in on doing things before you do them. Before it was more like um, just do, then ask, uh, and then eventually we'll uh, see the results, but now I w would argue more ask first and then do. I, th I think it's better now since money is so uh, it's much harder to, to, to get and to obtain now so to truly make sure that they also feel like we're doing very narrow, very targeted things. Um, and I would say if you are spending 80% or more of your budget on Google, you really need to change that because that will be hurtful. Um, this year thank you uh so finally you've already given us kind of um flashbacks if you want uh to to how you guys are doing things in in Sorry. except so um as a last question uh can you tell us a bit more about that are you essentially living as you preach you i mean you're the glo global demand generation strategy lead that's by the way a yep. mouthful <laughs> of a title nice. but yeah um... it's uh, it's insane it's not good it's not good <laughs> <laughs> but so what does what uh, in that position and and what you do at get accept and obviously you're not the only marketer there what what does your marketing playbook look like at the moment yeah, and I think it has, as you said, it has changed a lot over the, I think I've been at GetAccept now for two years. And, and how we work now versus back then, yeah, it's, it's night and day, uh, to be honest. Not only because of the recession, but in general because of strategy and where we're going and so on. Uh, but I, I would say our marketing playbook, the biggest change that our marketing playbook has had 
is more these, uh, if we call it demand creation, the brand awareness part has taken such, uh, such a big portion of what we do. Um, I think Freelar CMO put that out on, on LinkedIn the other day, how much, you know, our, what our budget splits look like now for different channels compared to what they used to do a year ago. And, and only that tells me that I've done my job well to come in for. Um, but no, I, I think it's, uh, that is the biggest shift in our marketing playbook that we have shifted more towards channels or tactics, um, to promote our brand and to spread our message more than just get leads through the door, um, for sure. Uh, and through that, it has also allowed us to become a lot and a lot more creative. If we take an example, take on, on social as an example, we don't run, you know, we don't run one campaign. We have, I think, six different categories where we constantly create new content and create new material for, because we feel like we need a full journey in that sense. We need everyone to hear about all of this stuff to really trust us. And that is a big change in our marketing playbook. It's easy to, it's easy to start things, uh, ads wise, but the hard thing is maybe to, to give people a complete picture. Um, and that is what we, we have been doing now. Brilliant. Uh, okay. Um, well, thanks for, uh, walking us through the, uh, doom and gloom and how marketing <laughs> should <laughs> or could survive the situation we're in at the moment um and this wraps up our this part of the conversation or discussion and in the next section or second part uh we'll be discussing uh adam's yours uh, bread and butter demand generation and that's it thanks everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and in fact we would love to hear your thoughts yeah so tell us what you thought anything we missed anything you'd like us to revisit Let's keep the conversation going on on Twitter at SaaS Growth Hub or on LinkedIn at the SaaS Growth Hub podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe to Growth Hub on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Until next time, cheers! cheers.